I was using partying, drinking, binge watching TV series uh, as a bit of, you know, when you think about happiness, the experience of happiness mostly comes from the relationships we have around us, whether that's from your partner, your loved ones, your family, your close friends. And I was very stereotypically Chinese. I was shy. I was introverted. Many of us are exhausted, not because we're doing too much, but because we are running someone else. I went for a period of my life in which I literally had no energy, no motivation, no inspiration. But as soon as I started addressing my physical and mental energy, things started changing drastically and in very crazy ways. Thank you so much for um, taking time out on the bank holiday weekend as well. Uh, appreciate my that. My pleasure. My pleasure. It's the Excellent. one bank holiday weekend I don't mind working through because it's the week, it's basically publication week. So uh, yeah. you know, I think I can let myself off just this one year though. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining me uh, as part of that uh, working weekend. It's a great, to, great to have you here. Um, I like to use this podcast as a little bit of a magnifying glass on, on people's lives because you know you look at it from the outside. And, yeah. You know, as we said, we're on the verge of your your first book, which we're, I'm sure we will talk about. Um, you know, you've, you're a public speaker. You've spoken at many, many uh, prestigious companies and and, uh, and places. But who's the real Simon Alexander? On can we get into that and a bit about the journey of what brought you to this point today, where you're about to launch your book? Yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll sort of give a bit of background and, and I, I'll let you sort of dissect where, where you think it'll be interesting to explore further, Sanjay. But uh, if you're sort of thinking about where the real Simon Alexander came from, you know, when I was young, I was uh, one of two brothers to Malaysian Chinese parents. And I was very stereotypically Chinese. I was shy. I was introverted. Um, I, I was always focused on trying to be the best in my class academically. Uh, so you know, growing up in a Chinese family, to have that sort of pressure of, you know, coming home, getting the A grades, uh, being considered the top 1% of your class, getting to a good school, to a good university, to a well-paying job. Uh, that was very much part of my growing up. And so I, I pursued that avenue up until I, I went to college. So when I went to college, I pursued the uh, career path of banking. Uh, you, you know, I, I mistakenly believed that uh, success was defined by my job title. And so there was this there was this sort of discussion amongst my my friends at school about are you going to become a banker are you going to become a doctor a lawyer an accountant uh so very much around those small uh set of traditional jobs i started in the banking industry in the middle of 2007 sanjay at what was probably the worst possible time i mean this was 12 to 13 months before the financial crisis really started to engulf the planet mm. uh, and with a company called lehman brothers uh, so it was it was a very volatile start to my career. I'm not going to lie. Uh, it was painful. Um, I mean, I, I I just didn't know where I was going at that point because I'd imagined that now I landed the job, as many people do when they're fresh out of university. Uh, I would work at it for a couple of years, work myself up the career ladder, get a good paycheck, and then evaluate maybe a few years down the line what I wanted to do, but not that early, <laughs> not within 12 months of having your first job after graduation. And so I actually went through... A period, it was probably around three or four years where I was just completely lost, Sanjay. Uh, after Lehman Brothers, I, I went to work in a hedge fund. Uh, and while it sounds glamorous on the outside, in reality, it was it was far from glamorous. Unless you were one of the senior managers in the team, uh, they were the ones that kind of got all the glory, got the big paychecks. Uh, me as a junior, I was pretty much like, like the T-boy. You know, I was getting people's lunches. I was doing the operational side of the business. I was making sure there wasn't any errors. Uh, I was just making sure the business could continue as it was. And there was a moment in which I 
I, I remember getting home really late at night, early morning, uh, around sort of three, four o'clock in the morning. And I, I was just completely burnt out, Sanjay. You, you know, I was uh, telling my girlfriend at the time excuses to try and defend what I was doing. But in reality, I was using partying, drinking, binge watching TV series uh, as a bit of as a bit of escapism from the harsh reality of the fact that I had just got into a funk in my life. Mm. Uh, you know, as a result of the crisis, I just didn't know where I was going. And I had got myself into this job in which it was killing my physical and mental health. And so that was how the journey of Simon started. It, it wasn't nice. It wasn't rosy, but uh, it was going through those dark periods, which taught me a lot, Sanjay, in hindsight. Uh, and after the conversation I had with my girlfriend at the time, I realized that unless I addressed my my physical health, then I would stand to lose everything uh, because this relationship would be going down the drain. Uh, I wouldn't have any time for myself uh, and I would just be feeling depressed and, and unhappy for such a long period. And so I handed in my resignation to uh, this job and I intentionally then went on to find another job within finance, but that was that was more nine to five, you know, was less stressful, uh, was less intense in which I could use the time outside of work uh, and the weekends to address my health, to focus on the things I wanted to do and, and just to find my feet again. And, and that started the journey to what I now get to do today, Sanjay. You know, I started to follow my curiosities. I started to explore things. Uh, I, I got involved in two businesses, which didn't work out. And that led me to coaching. I started coaching those in leadership positions uh, although at the beginning, it was anybody and everyone that wants to be coached, I'll coach you uh, to help build my experience. And then over the years, I've been very fortunate to now be able to be more selective uh, as to who I work with. Uh, and then things started building from there, Sanjay, some of which you've uh, kindly mentioned at the beginning of this uh, episode. Uh, I went on to being invited to speak at companies, conferences, public events. Uh, and then one of the positives from the two years that the world went into lockdown as a result of the COVID pandemic, one of the two positives, apart from becoming a parent for the first time, was landing a book deal with the world's largest publishing house, Penguin. Fantastic. I mean, that as a snapshot is uh, is in itself, there's so many places I want to dissect, but that was a summary would be, uh, you know, to a movie would be, would be amazing. Um, first question I've got for you, Simon, is if you could, you could go back now to that I guess you were early twenties when you, yeah. you just, you know, when, when all of this Lehman brothers was going, if you go back when that, that moment where your world literally had collapsed, right. Mm. You, you know, you're early, you're early twenties. I think people, I want people to imagine this. your early twenties. You've been working your entire life in this, you know, as you mentioned in an academic way to, to secure yourself a future, to secure yourself a job that's going to give you security and growth mm. and everything that we think that we want. And and whether what, if that's what we want is, 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 is actually you know, something genuine is, is another conversation, but, and then you get, you achieve that. Right. And I worked in um, investment banking recruitment. So, you know, Lehman brothers, it's, it's a prestigious name and, you know, so you land your job at Lehman brothers and then it all gets taken away. Mm. What would you go back and tell that Simon right now? I think if there's one thing I, I, I could tell that Simon at the time that this chaos uh, in, engulfed my professional life, it, it's something that I came to learn Sanjay in 2017 on a visit to Kyoto in Japan. So I went to Kyoto and, it, and it's filled with beautiful Zen temples. And I remember my, my wife and I did a meditation experience and it was like a one hour followed by a tour of the temple. 
And there were some inscriptions translated into English. And there's one statement that I, I, I began embracing as soon as I read it. And it's one bit of advice I would give to that Simon uh, in his early 20s. And that inscription read, be attached to no outcome and open to everything. Be attached to no outcome and open to everything. And the reason I would impart those words of wisdom to the Simon Den is because when I grew up, I was so attached to the outcome, Sanjay, as I know many of us are. It's like, well, if I don't get the A, then I'm going to feel guilty and bad for my family because they won't be proud of me. Or if I, if I don't manage to do well in this job or, or it doesn't work out, then I'm a failure. And so that's what happens when we attach ourselves too much to an outcome that in many cases are out of our control. I mean, I had no control over what was going to happen in the economy with, with my company. But I think that when we can detach ourselves from the outcome and simply be open to everything, that gives us permission to live in the present. And I think when we do that, that is when we can open our eyes to the abundance of opportunities around us. So that would be the one thing I would share with the Simon uh, in his early 20s. That's beautiful. Uh, that's beautiful. So from that moment, you, you know, you, you, you went on this journey of discovery, however, you mentioned you worked for the, for the hedge fund mm. and you were in a low point. So, you know, I'm sorry to hear that, that, that you went through that. And thank you so much for sharing that. Mm. Um, what was going through your head at that moment? I mean, what I'm trying to get to is how did you get to that point? You said, you know, I had to look after my physical health. I, I got to the, there was a moment where I realized I had to look after my physical health. If I was going to, how did that realization come about? Because as a health coach working with people who have mm. pre-diabetes, that moment of awareness is so crucial because, you know, with awareness, without awareness, there's no change. So, but getting to the point of awareness, it's taken me, a, a, you know, several decades yeah. of my life to get there. So uh, you got there in a, in a relatively short, short space of time. So what was it that got you to that point of awareness? Well, well first of all, Sanjay, I, I think you're spot on uh, with what you, what you share about awareness. Uh, you, you know, I, I say that you can't have self-development without self-awareness. And that is because, as you noted, we can't change what we're not aware of. Uh, and that is why knowing ourselves is the beginning of true wisdom. Now, how I got to that awareness, if I'm honest, the answer is uh, my girlfriend at the time who became my wife. Uh, you, you know, she really cared about me and she challenged me. I, I'm not going to lie. I mean, she challenged me to open up. I grew up, as I said, as a very shy, introverted, uh, academically focused uh, young Chinese boy. Now, when I grew up, this was in a world, you have to keep in mind that when, when I was growing up, no one talked about mental health uh, in the way that they do today. And there wasn't the sort of resources that you now have available uh, in society. So I had always been told whenever I went through tough situations, uh, when I was facing challenges, whether in my personal life or my professional life, to man up, to suck it up, to you know get on with it. And those were very toxic at the time, but I didn't know. I, I just sort of thought, well, that's what I have to do. And so I was never comfortable sharing my emotions or feelings. And I think the only way that we become more aware of ourselves is actually by exploring those emotions and feelings that are going on inside our mind. Um, and so my girlfriend challenged me to open up. Uh, she's the one that actually helped me get out my show a lot uh, as I sort of grew uh, into my sort of 20s and, and early 30s. And by giving me that permission to just share with no judgment, I think was so useful, Sanjay. You know, I think, in fact, just to have anyone uh, who would listen to you, uh, your mind, your thoughts with no judgment and just out of curiosity is such a gift. Um, and I think that really helped me to get to a point of being 
more aware of not only what I was going through, but what I was doing to not just myself, but also our relationship. Um, and I think that was very powerful because I didn't want to lose what we had created. And knowing that that was a risk really helps me to become aware of my involvement in, in that scenario. Mm. You mentioned a word there, curiosity, and, and it's mm. one that I've heard you talk about you know, before about being how being curious is again we talked about that 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 tipping point is that mm. we sh- following and 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 going into your curiosity so it was your curiosities at that time of what am i doing to myself or where where can i take this that it's interesting that that opened you up to that level of awareness which is fascinating mm. and something else you've you've said in the past about uh, you, you know, uh, I believe it's your greatest lessons come in the most challenging moments. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. you just reflected there that through those moments where your girlfriend, you know, has, has challenged you, mm-hmm. even though you're in those darkest moments, there are probably some that you look back now and that, would you say that they're some of the biggest lessons that you've learned? Definitely. You, you know what, Sanjay, uh, it's a very good point because whenever I get asked uh, about my life lessons, uh, sometimes the follow-up question is, where did you learn that you know where did you get that insight or or that clarity and wisdom and if i were to reference all the lessons i've had i would say the vast majority have come from those moments uh, that have been dark uh, where i've faced setbacks where i've had failures and challenges Uh, of course we had the lehman brothers collapse Uh, we had the burnout experience at the hedge fund Mm. Uh, we also had the time when i was 17 years old and i lost my mom to a tragic accident i had the time in which my my first two businesses failed Um, And so I think all of these uh, experiences have equipped me with the wisdom and the insight I now have. And I don't think I would have had many of them if I hadn't gone through them. And so what I've come to realize as I've got older and wiser is that by reframing challenges into something positive, we can actually use it as fuel to come back stronger. So rather than seeing it as a negative and seeing it as, well, you know, I didn't overcome it or this is a block on my path. It's a just, well, look at it in the sense that without that challenge, you would not have grown. Without that challenge, you wouldn't have seen just how powerful you are. And without that challenge, maybe you wouldn't have come across it from a new perspective. And so I think that when we start seeing these so-called negative uh, life events as actually positives, and as the universe's way to teach us something, then that's when we begin to tap into the uh, eternal student mindset. Yeah, it's it's definitely the framing isn't it there about mm-hmm. about the experience and, and look in everything the, the the moments you just mentioned there in those moments at that point in time it's of course the one of the worst things that mm-hmm. you you probably experience and it's, it's um, and i, I want to be clear we're not saying that in that moment you're going to suddenly think oh what am i going to learn from this you know there's going to be there's going to be trauma there's going to be heartache mm-hmm. there's going to be whatever it might be but at some point in the future and yeah and i i just feel like with age i've looked back and and only then have I realized, oh, that moment when that happened when I was 16, that's what that taught me. And that mm. is a value that I still hold today. And I think that process, people just, uh, uh, for me anyway, it was a case of giving myself time. Uh, and Definitely. that was also a journey of learning about myself and what you know, what my values are. Um, so I think that's really, really important in the way that you said that. But mm. it's interesting we're getting into that, that realm of mindset and how we can phrase things differently. And just mm. by framing things differently, how much of an impact that has on our outcomes as well. Totally. I mean, one of the, uh, and it's something I, I, I write in my book, Sanjay, is that one of the things we, we come to realize, especially when we start working on ourselves, is that there is no one reality. 
uh, you know, we like to think there's one reality, but there really isn't. Uh, there is only customized reality. So, you know, the, when when an event occurs, the way you interpret it might be different to the way I do, different to the way my partner does, to uh, my friend or my family, uh, my family member. Now, that is because we are living in the feeling of our thinking moment to moment to moment with our thoughts as the paintbrush on our canvas of reality. So whatever we bring into our mind, that paints the reality that we experience. Now, for me, knowing that gives us a superpower that many of us underappreciate. And that is at any moment we can choose one thought over another in the same way that if you want to paint with a different color, you simply wash your brush, take up another color and you choose a new color to put on your canvas. We have that ability as well. We can choose a different meaning, a different thought uh, for an experience or event, thereby reconfiguring the choices, actions, and behaviors that we make. So thoughts, you know, are there, here we talk about thoughts, they do lead to actions. And, and something mm-hmm. that we talk about in our program is that not only that, but there's a physical response within the body, right? And I think this is where the the, the power of thoughts has really kind of caught my attention because mm-hmm. you just think, oh, it's sometimes it's just a thought. But actually, if we engage in that thought and whether it's a helpful thought, I mean, let's say it's an unhelpful thought, mm-hmm. then we start to get physical responses within the body, which are not going to be helpful in the long term either. Definitely, definitely. I mean, there was a fascinating a study, it was done by someone who delivered a TED talk. And I believe her name from memory is Kelly McGonigal. And she talks about stress. And there was a fascinating study and it showed that stress can be good, but it's our understanding of stress that determines if it's good or bad. And she's a psychologist and she did a study in which she took two sample groups. And in one sample group, they were the sort of people that believed the stress was bad. In the other sample group, it was people that believed stress was good. In, in small amounts. And what they decided to do was to measure their responses to certain activities, questions, and exercises. And what they discovered was that the sample group that believed that stress was good in small amounts actually had no negative or material negative effects on their health. Whereas the group that believed that stress was bad actually showed signs of negative impact on their health. Okay. And so this all comes back down to our interpretation of things that we experience in in our life and around us, yeah, it's 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 such it's so powerful, and and this is this kind of links in nicely with what I want to ask you about with, with regards to the book because of all the things that you could have spoken about and written a book about, <laughs> you chose energy. So uh, let's get into that. What what? How did you arrive at this this topic? And you know, and and yeah, tell us a bit about the thought process there. Sure. So I think there were a couple of uh, inputs in, into that process. The first is uh, going back to the, the story that I that I shared at the beginning about how I burnt out. That really showed me how important it is to have energy in life. You know, we can have a vision, uh, we can have a plan set out on how we're going to manifest that vision. But if we simply don't have the energy to follow through and execute on that plan, we're not going to make any progress. We're going to be stuck with where we're at. And so I knew that. Because I went for a period of my life in which I literally had no energy, no motivation, no inspiration, and I just was aimless. But as soon as I started addressing my physical and mental energy, things started changing. Things started changing drastically and in very crazy ways. And so that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk about that. Secondly, is that when I looked at some of the most successful individuals, Sanjay, uh, in, in any field, what I noticed is that they weren't necessarily the fastest or the most intelligent at what they did. 
but they were the best uh, when it comes to managing their energy because they knew if that if you're going to run a business if you're going to pursue something that you're passionate about consistency always beats intensity and in order to show up every day for the next decade or even next 50 or 60 years of your life you've got to have the energy to do so because you want to thrive not just survive and they understand that you cannot do your best work if you're always showing up exhausted and completely drained of any energy so that's the second reason the third is something i noticed sanjay as i was speaking on more stages i would reflect on the fact that when I came off the stage, I would get people come up to me and I would have many comments in which people would say to me, Simon, I absolutely loved your energy on stage. It was electric. And you know what, Simon, if I had just a little bit of your energy, I think I would, I could go on and accomplish so much more. And so I really wanted to speak to that, Sanjay. First of all, well, my journey in, in terms of how I've gone from having no energy to having the energy that I want to do so many things now and that this mind of mine just wants to keep learning to how did I get to that point so people can also experience it? So we're sort of blending those two thoughts and experiences together and hopefully people will find value in that. I love that. And just going back to what you said about uh, the the energy, it, it, it's there's got to be a link between you know, the person coming up to you and saying, if I only had a little, you know, I love, loved your energy. Do you feel like the Simon who was in banking would have had a similar energy as the Simon who's coming off stage after a speaking gig? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And this, and this speaks to me about what I call spiritual energy, Sanjay. Right. Uh, because one of the things I've, I've begun to realize, and it's something I journaled, uh, so I, I journal every day in, in, a, in a notepad. And one of the thoughts I was writing down uh, a number of years ago was the fact that many of us are exhausted, not because we're doing too much, but because we are running someone else's race because we are measuring our progress against metrics determined by other people. And once we do that, that is a race we can never win. And so the Simon that was in the banking world was measuring his success by other people's definition, i.e. be a banker, work for a great company, earn a good paycheck, start a family, buy a house. These were definitions and metrics set by other people, but not me. But when I embarked on the path that I now am on, this was Simon understanding what success meant to him, what sort of impact he wants to have in the world, and then building a life around those answers. And so that's when my spiritual energy started to ignite Sanjay. And I think that's where the energy comes from. You, you know, I talk about in the introduction of my book that energy is it's like a language, but it has no words. You and I can feel it, we can sense it, but we can't often explain it. And, and, and that's what I was accessing. I was accessing that life force that we all have inside of us. But for many of us, it remains dormant until very late in our life. Yeah, I I, I just I love that, and I describe it as the, the the sort of energy when, you know, you're you're. I, I think back to when I was younger, when I was speaking, when I speak to a girl, right? You know, you speak to a, a potential partner. You know, you you feel that there's if there's a connection or there's an energy there, and and yes, it's absolutely linked to you know the Simon that walks off the stage. You know, you are out there talking about things that are aligned to your values, aligned to your purpose. So there's a completely different energy there, and I've experienced that myself in you know working in that city life. Mm you know, I felt like I didn't have any energy at that point. You know, I've just like you, I went through burnout. I went through, you know, overworking myself, doing that, working that cookie cutter life, I call it, you know, that what <laughs> you think you need to, you know, the, the life, the, the tra trajectory of your life. And I was ticking off those markers. Oh, I got the job, I got the car, I got the house, you know, and, and as you go and, and eventually you realize that you, you don't enjoy anything. But 
um, linking it back to what I do now in that, you know, coming off, a, off the back of a coaching session, a conversation like this, mm. the energy is so different. And, you know, I just feel like I can achieve a lot more. And I remember when I, when I made the transition to work as a personal trainer and I was working, you know, really extremely long hours and people used to think, Oh, how, how are you, how are you working so many hours? And, and it never even occurred to me. I was like, well, I, I'm, I, don't, I don't feel like it's work. And you know, that was the big thing for me. It wasn't, I didn't feel like, Oh, here we go. I have to get up and you know go back to work at six o'clock in the evening. It just, it just felt natural to do. And, and mm-hmm. the energy, you know, I can't explain where I generate from, but I like the idea of this spiritual energy, which is kind yeah. of driving you in this, in this way. Totally, totally. Um, I mean, it's, uh, it, it's what we call, I guess Einstein would call it, uh, the relativity of time. Uh, you, you know, you sit next to uh, a beautiful girl and uh, an hour will seem like a minute. Uh, you sit next to a hot fire, a minute will feel like an hour. And so when you're doing something that ignites your passion and something that comes natural to you, that plays to your strengths, that's when we experience this so-called flow state in which we are in sync, what we're going with our motion, our momentum, and hours just fly by. But we don't feel it because we're tapping into who we are. We're, we're in connection with our spiritual energy. Mm. So we've got the spiritual energy, we've got the mental energy, and there's the physical side as well. So, I mean, you know, this this may sound like an obvious area, but but there's a lot more to this. I and mean, what sort of things are are draining our physical, our physical energy in, in 2022? Sure. For me, it's as simple as sleep and rest. Uh, you, you know, it may sound cliche given what lots of people speak about, but I think it's true. You, you know, when we when we want to get things done, often the first thing we sacrifice is sleep and rest. We think that by sacrificing sleep and rest, we have more time to do work. But actually, it's counterproductive because what happens is without sleep and rest, it takes longer to do the work. You can't think clearly. And so actually you get even less sleep and rest and you get even less done. So it becomes a vicious cycle. And so for me, when we look at the world today, Sanjay, it is, it is probably the most distracted society we have ever lived in. When you think about the demands on our attention, uh, the notifications, the emails, the text messages, uh, people demanding your energy. So when you put that all into consideration, slowing down in today's world is increasingly becoming a superpower, especially if you are somebody who is ambitious or in a leadership position. Because I think we have mistakenly assumed that by by achieving productivity, we have to be always doing. We have to be always doing something. And if we're not, we feel guilty. We feel like we're lazy. Uh, But we fail to appreciate the the power of slowing down and actually including in our calendar periods of intentional rest as much as the periods that we schedule in our diary for social events, holiday events, and meetings. So... It's so simple that, right, scheduling in, because we, you think about it, what do people schedule? And, and it is the things that it's work. It's I must do, I must get done. And I've recently started doing that as well in, you know, I'll, I'll have a, a, just a section. And this is, I never used to schedule my weekends because I think, well, I'm not doing anything that needs scheduling, but actually there are in really important things that I'm doing. So yeah, there'll be, I'll schedule in fun or going to the park with the daughter or, you know, um, washing the car or whatever it might be but actually that for me has been so powerful Mm. because it's also made me aware of whether actually am i doing things that are fun am i doing things that are um serving me you know that Mm. don't have anything to do with you know earning money or 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 the the job and i think that is a is an interesting way to to frame it for people but yeah definitely the scheduling has been a a big big changer it's very important sanjay because 
you know, when we schedule in meetings and social events, what happens? We make them. We, we, we turn up to the meeting. Uh, we turn up to record a podcast. Uh, we turn up for a social event to meet friends. When it's scheduled, it is real. But the thing is, when we don't schedule it, it isn't real. And, and nobody plans to aimlessly scroll through their social media for the whole weekend or watch a, a whole series of a Netflix show. But that is exactly what happens when we don't intentionally schedule our time. So when we don't intentionally schedule periods of rest or just to unwind, to go for a walk, to read a book, if those aren't scheduled in, guess what is scheduled in? Your distractions. They will dominate the time that you haven't scheduled or accounted for. And that's why many people say, I can't believe where all the time's gone. You know, they look back at a weekend or a week or a month and say, I can't believe where all the time's gone. And that's because they haven't managed their time. They haven't managed how they're spending their energy. And so what happens is, as Jim Rohn would once say, if you don't plan your day, the day will plan you. And so you've got to be more responsible and intentional with how you uh, live each day. Because if you want to design your life, it begins with designing your days. Yeah, I, I think back now as a as a father, and, and I'm sure you'll resonate with this. I think back to when we didn't have kids, and I just think, oh my goodness, I threw away so much time. The amount of Netflix shows and just sitting around doing nothing. And now I'm thinking, gosh, now I definitely know. I didn't. I think I thought I didn't have time then, but let alone. With, uh, with 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 a child, I'm sure that's something that, that you found. So it is. You're absolutely right. It's how intentional you are with that time, and you know, and and what you're doing with it. So let's talk about that because that's something that you've recently experienced. Of course, you mentioned over uh, over the COVID pandemic, mm-hmm. you you had your first child. Is that right? First child, correct. Fantastic. Congratulations. So how did that change the energy for you, and what what impact has that had for you? It's interesting, Sanjay, because it's influenced my energy in different ways. And I think many of which you cannot predict until you become a parent. So in some ways, it has energized me even more. Uh, so, for example, with the work that I do, now that I'm a, I'm a father, I've got even more motivation uh, to want to make her proud as a father. You know, it's given me energy to want to pursue things that I may not have done before because I'm looking at her and I think she's now my legacy. You know, I want to make her proud. I want to make this family proud. So that, in a way, has energized me from a spiritual perspective. Now, of course, on the physical side, there is the obvious demands on your energy, such as sleepless nights and, you know, having to adjust your routine and schedule to the fact that you are now around the newborn, uh, which for many of us, we had nowhere to go because we can only stay inside. We couldn't venture outside over the last couple of years. And so that did affect me, especially when you're writing a 65,000 word book at the same time. Uh, but one question I've been asked recently, Sanjay, is do you feel more productive or less productive now becoming a parent? And it's interesting because I, like some parents I know who are also entrepreneurs, have actually felt more productive becoming a parent. And here's why. Because before you are a parent and you have no obligations to anybody else apart from yourself and maybe your partner, well, if you wanted to, you could just procrastinate all day and do do your work in the middle of the night. There's no boundaries that you need because technically you can always push things back and procrastinate. But now you've got a child, when your child is with you, you cannot work. You've got to be present with him or her and they want your attention. And so now knowing, Sanjay, that when my child is in nursery, I've only got X hours in order to get work done. That actually makes me more productive because I have to ask myself, if I only have these hours that I can get work done, what is the most important for me to address so that by the time my daughter comes back from nursery, I know I've had a productive day. 
so that I can not feel guilty when I then spend the rest of the evening with her. Yeah, it's just made you more intentional with your time because yeah. it, the, the, you're absolutely right. Time is scarce. And I remember that moment when she first went to nursery and I was like, oh, thank goodness. But then, like you said, it's like, oh, now I've only got uh, now I've only got this window. And I'm sure the same, but that window is never long enough. But <laughs> <laughs> it it did make me and I, I, re- I agree that it made me more productive. You know, It made me think about uh, what, like you said, what is the most important thing that I need to do? And that procrastination and that, that, that those moments where you just throw away did, 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 uh, did come down. So that's, um, it's fascinating. You say that as well, just stay on the, the child, sort of the, our learnings as, as, as parents. And I know this is something that someone has also recently asked you, but I'm keen to just get your, your, your take on this is, is what have you learned from, being a father what have you learned where what have you learned from your child let's how old is your daughter so she's she's just passed two years now so coming up to two years and one month so she's she's getting into talking and she's yeah. probably got her own personality and character so yeah what have you learned from her i, I if i'm honest Sanjay, i've i've learned so much um and, and i think the reason i've learned so much is because i think no i, I mean no other generation has probably spent the first two years with their child every single day. Because before the pandemic, uh, the tradition was at least one of the parents would be back to work within three or four months uh, of of the birth. But for the first two or so years, I've been pretty much at home every day uh, with with, with my daughter. And so I've been able to learn so much uh, from the bond that we have created. And just some of the lessons that I've learned from her, Sanjay, first of all is patience. You know, once you become a parent, you've got to be incredibly patient uh, because you realize that their brain has not evolved to where your brain is. They're learning everything for the first time. They don't know when they make a mistake. They don't know if they've done something wrong because that concept hasn't occurred to them yet. They're just simply exploring through their curiosity all the objects and things around them. And so patience is one of the things that I've learned so much about. Uh, Second is the energy of being present. You know, I think in the everyday when you're not a parent, you can get so caught up with the business of especially living in a city uh, and also running a business. You can get so caught up with everything. But when you're with your child, they teach you to be absolutely present in that moment, to find joy in that connection. And that's something that I've uh, learned from, uh, from, from my daughter, Sienna. And I think the last one is just to not take things seriously. You, you know, with uh, with Sienna, what happens is that She'll get scared of something, and next minute she's laughing. Uh, next minute she's like wanting to rush out and try something new, and she's just living in a moment. But she's, you know, not not letting herself get caught up with anything. So she's just having fun. She's not taking things seriously, and she's enjoying the beauty of just exploring this world around us. Yeah, just so present, aren't they? Uh, mm. uh, at this at this age, and I think that for me has been the biggest lesson for me. You know, is just learn, just as you said, one moment it's the end of the world. The ice cream's dropped onto the floor and the next minute there's, there's interest in the water pit. And then it's, it's, it's you know, it's switched off and we're, we're over there and we're in, we're engrossed in that. And, and that makes me think as well about some of the things that happen in my life and, and how I would, Oh, I dropped the ice cream or that could have, that I dropping the ice cream could have been, you know, <laughs> replying to an email a certain way or, you know, something that happened earlier in the day, but you procrastinate on it. Whereas a child would just go flip from one place to another. So I think there's you patience. I love that. Definitely. Um, and, uh, for me, another one actually uh, that I've come to, to realize is self-compassion Yeah, is because I've, you know, I've caught myself <clears throat> 
talking the way I would, you know, talk to talk to my daughter if something didn't go that well. And then just maybe catch myself thinking, well, I wouldn't talk to my I would talk to myself in a lot of harsher way sometimes. So that's yeah. made me kind of realize that actually remind yourself that in those moments when things are not going too so great and you're having a tough time, you know, treat yourself like I would treat my daughter. And I think because I've got not that I treat my wife, you know, <laughs> in, in a bad way I treat, but you know, when you've got that small precious thing that is yeah you're there ultimately to look after them you do for me i just felt a much deeper sense of, uh, of mm. compassion there definitely definitely i i really feel you on that sanjay because you know i think the experience teaches us that we need to speak to ourselves as kind as we do to our child or to people that we love mm. yeah so there's there's this uh, this kindness co connection so i want to kind of talk a little bit about connection because you know when we talk about lifestyle medicine this this idea of connection you know as as well is starting to come up a lot in in literature and you know it's been spoken about a lot um and i want to just get your take on how important you know from an energy perspective is is connection with others as well and i, I guess we can look to what's happened recently in the world to, to sort of highlight this but what's your take on that i i think it's crucial in in, in the sense that if we don't explore, first of all, the connection to ourself, i.e. our true self, uh, and then connection with others, well, you're going to realize at some point you do need help from other people. Uh, and you do need to uh, have those relationships around you because, you know, when you think about happiness, the experience of happiness mostly comes from the relationships we have around us, whether that's from your partner, your loved ones, your family, your close friends. And if we haven't really cultivated that circle around us, then who is going to support us? in those moments where we do have setbacks and challenges and when we need somebody to just hear what we're going through. Just as I did when, you know, I was in that situation and my girlfriend challenged me to open up and she was there for me. She held that space for me. Mm. And that for me was a beautiful place to connect with her. And so for me, I, I think it's increasingly important in today's world, Sanjay. In fact, I think a lot of people because of COVID and because they couldn't go outside, many people have entered this space of reflection to connect to themselves. You, you know, Bronnie Ware once, uh, so Bronnie Ware wrote in a book, The Top Regrets of the Dying, that the number one regret was, I wish I lived a life more true to myself than a life lived for others. Mm. And because everyone had to go inside, that allowed people to connect with themselves again, to understand, well, is this what I really want to do? Is this something that fulfills me? And I think part of that is the reason why we've had this so-called great resignation this term that has come out of the United States of people resigning en masse uh, from the industries or the work that they've been doing. Because in some respects, I think by connecting to themselves, they've experienced a, an awakening of sort of like, well, you know, I've got to take some action to uh, shift my life back into something that brings me fulfillment and joy. And connection is almost the beginning of that. Yeah, it's ignited curiosity, isn't it? It's mm. almost, I feel like, this is this is not pointing fingers at anyone, but I feel like mm. as you know, you look at a child's life, and as that as that child get, gets older, and you think of this, the the system that they go through, I feel like curiosity is almost you know it's it's squeezed out at every stage, and you know you get to a point where you know you, you're eighteen, nineteen. And again, this doesn't happen to everyone, but this is my experience of it. Mm. You know, and just like you said, you know, like oh, I need to get a, I need to get a degree, I need to get a job, I need to mm. so so the the curious the curiosity of what about what else is there. It, it's almost drummed out of you by mm. that point and we stop becoming curious and we just follow mm. this this mold and what covid has seemed to have done for a lot of people as you said it's this awakening it's this hold on a minute there 
there is more out mm. there. There is more that I want to explore. There are lots of things that I haven't done. And I, I, I mean, I welcome that because I mm. think this is going to lead to, you know, a better and wonderful, wonderful world. If someone, you know, we just think about the things in our lives that people have become curious about. And we're here, look at, we're here doing what we're doing now. Someone at some stage, I mean, I remember when we were kids, we used to watch, you know, Star Trek mm. and things where people would be have on hand, but someone had that curiosity to, to, to develop that. And I think mm. if we're going through this period now where people are starting to switch on, then that's only going to be a positive for the world uh, going forward. Definitely. Definitely. I, I couldn't agree with uh, what you shared there, Sanjay. So, the book it's out very soon because by the time this this uh this podcast goes out it will be out um tell us you know tell us about uh, about you know what where people can find it what sure. they're going to what they're going to learn from the book i guess as, as well from from your from the author's perspective yeah so uh well you can find out more and purchase a copy at getenergizedbook.com and that is energized with a z the way that i approach the book sanjay is i've been very much influenced by lots of books uh, in, in my time from going from an employee to, to becoming an entrepreneur. Uh, I've always enjoyed the narrative styles and storytelling elements of the likes of The Go-Giver, the Robin Sharma books, uh, Who Moved My Cheese, The Richest Man in Babylon. But I've also enjoyed the more practical books uh, where they walk you through exercises, questions and activities that can help you apply some of the knowledge. And so I wanted to blend those two styles, which have had a big influence on me because I love telling stories. I'm a speaker, I'm a presenter, but I also love giving people tools and techniques that they can apply. And so what I did in the book is I, I broke the book into four parts, very much, if you were a summary of my own journey. Uh, and, and so the first part of the book uh, is called Awaken Your Power which very much speaks to the beginning of my journey. Uh, so in that part of the book, we look at vision, we look at gratitude, we look at physical health. And then we go to the second part of the book, which is rewiring your energetic state. And a lot of that has to do with the mental energy. You know, how do we begin to understand the way the mind works? The third part is then called protect your personal energy, because once you've got yourself to a point in which you are living with more energy, you've then got to be careful to protect it. Uh, because otherwise you're just going to be leaking energy all over the place. So how do you protect your energy for what matters most? And then the final part is really speaking to what I'm now doing today, which is how do we go about supercharging your impact? Because for me, if I start with the first part, go to the last part of the book, uh, the fact that it mirrors my journey is also a reflection of my journey from shifting my attention away from focusing on career virtues to legacy virtues. And that's why thinking about legacy at the end of the book, I thought was a very apt way to finish off. I love that. So it's a very kind of nice journey that you know, mm. people people will go on, and and the way that you've you've framed that is a, is a, is a very interesting way. Um, I'm looking forward to, to to reading the book. I can't wait to can't wait to see it. Uh, I wish you all the all the success with the book. I'll put the link in the. Um, in the episode uh, sh description, um, one thing I want to I want to just leave you with the, the podcast here is called Stay Whole, and it's all about kind of keeping ourselves whole. What what I wanted to know from you, Simon, and maybe the listeners are interested as well. What are some of your non negotiable habits that help you to to stay whole or, or you know keep your energy? Sure. So I'll share three things uh, when I think of non negotiable habits that keep me feeling whole and healthy. The first is exercise. You know, that was the very first thing that I addressed uh, when I started to, to, to sort of shift my attention to my energy was I need to exercise more. Uh, and so that has been one of the greatest game-changing habits that I have embraced. So for me, every single day I am keeping myself active, even if it's a short yoga session uh, to something more intense, I'm always doing something consistently just to keep my energy high. 
The second is something that I learned from uh, a mentor who's in my field called Rich Litvin. Uh, and he speaks about two things that we should be prioritizing every single week. They are serve and create. So who can I serve this week? What can I create this week? Now, every week, if you are serving and you are creating, that is you being whole. Because the creating part is bringing value into the world. Uh, and the serving part is just reminding you of the humanity behind what you do. And then the third part is to constantly reflect on the question of how do you want to be remembered? So to ask yourself, how do I want to be remembered? Because I think when you do so, it reminds you of the fact that our value is determined by how much more we have given to the world than we have taken from it. That's beautiful. I love that. I, I think there's, there's, uh, you've, you've kind of summed it all up really, really nicely there, Simon. Um, Simon, thank you so much uh, for your time today. And uh, yeah, as I said, all the best of luck with the book and I look forward to seeing a lot more of, uh, of your growth. Perfect. Sanjay, thank you so much again for inviting me to be a guest on your show.